Chelsea. And this is Andrew. Welcome to Hugging and Learning, a podcast where we look back at very special episodes from the 70s, 80s, and 90s to see what they have to teach us today. You have joined us for the first episode of season two of the podcast. We're episode. There. We made it. Yeah, we made it. They said we couldn't do it. <laughs> they <laughs> we, were all against and we us. We did it, and they were all against us. And we did it. <laughs> Today, we are kicking off season two with actually a TV movie yeah. from a PBS series called Wonderworks. The movie is called All Summer in a Day, and you can watch it on Vimeo. We'll put the link in the mm-hmm. notes. The writer of the movie is S. Murdoch Donaldson. Mm. This is his only credit on IMDb. Oh, is it? <laughs> and the movie is based on the 1954 short story, All Summer in a Day, by Ray Bradbury, very famous science fiction writer, Ray Bradbury. Yeah, and this premiered back in 1982. Uh, I and- couldn't find a specific date. I can't either. It's, so, 1982. It's a so the reason we're kind of going outside the box here and doing a, a short movie that premiered on TV as part of a PBS series yeah. is because it was actually recommended to us by a listener. Our good friend Jeff just sent this to us and said, hey, this is a heartbreaking short movie. Remember this? And here's the thing. I had to go <laughs> back and see if I had ever mentioned this on the podcast before because I think about All Summer in a Day all the time. <laughs> this movie, I saw it when I was a kid, and it destroyed my soul. And I wrote I wrote Jeff back, and I was like, we haven't talked about this. How do you know about this? And he admitted it was just a crazy coincidence. And the more I looked into this, the more it's had like an effect on people who saw this when they were kids. So because a listener recommended it, because it made me cry, I think, in class, we really had to take a look at this. And what better way to start out season two than with something a little different? So before we get into All Summer Today, let's get into this snack that we have. Something a little not so different. What do we have today there, Chelsea? Today we have a snack that came from Whole Foods. It is the Back to Nature brand of cookies, Mm -hmm. the Fudge Mint Cookies, which taste exactly... Mm. Like Girl Scout Thin Mints. Allegedly. I mean, you haven't actually tasted these yet, have you? You didn't even have the box already, did you? I've had these before many times. Oh, I I see. see. The reason I I picked them up is because yesterday I went to Whole Foods. Mm Mm-hmm. Scouts were selling their cookies outside on yeah. the table. And then I walked in and these were prominently displayed on an yeah, end man. cap that was like, hey, were you thinking about buying Girl Scout cookies on your way out? Buy these instead. So that was kind of a dick move by Whole Foods. But then I was like, I really love those cookies. So here's the thing, though. I recently bought Girl Scout cookies just last week and I bought Thin Mints. And the only thing I could think when I was eating those Thin Mints was, man, you know what's better than this? These. Really? Yeah. They also, I'm reading the side of the box, they support the Nature Conservancy, Mm. the purchase of these, which is great. I give money to the Nature Conservancy. I think they're a great organization. So if you are upset that we didn't buy cookies from Girl Scouts, we did buy cookies from the Nature Conservancy. So we're still good people. Still great people. Did you do scouting when you were a kid? No. Oh, no. I did a Christian version of it called the RAs or Royal Ambassadors. It's like Dumbledore's Army. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Might as well have been. Yeah, it was a fictional guy with a beard. We followed him around and tried to defend him to people, yeah, yeah. people who could not possibly care. I did scouting when I was a kid, and I was a big 
big cookie seller. It was like a, oh. the 200 box mark was the benchmark that we shot for every year. And then my mom was like, she kind of got wise to scouting the scouting scam. And she yeah. was, she was kind of like, okay, so the girls sell all the cookies and make all this money, which your local troop doesn't keep. You send off to headquarters. Yeah. But then you also have to pay for camp and you have to pay for uniforms. You have to pay for every trip we go on. Like at what point does the money come back to the girls? Yeah. Whereas... It doesn't seem to ever recirculate. Every, all these scouts are just like little unpaid salesmen to make money for this organization. So then we stopped doing scouting. Ironically, Royal Ambassadors did not have a money-making scheme attached to it other than church. Hmm. Let's eat these cookies. Yeah! Yep. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. They're just so good. They're amazing. People. I could eat a dozen of those things and never look back. I probably will <laughs> throughout the episode. If you hear like blank spots where one of us is just doing all the yeah. talking, it's because oh. somebody snuck over and had one of those cookies again. <laughs> We promise never to eat on air, but that doesn't mean one of us might not go off mic for several minutes to eat somewhere else. We promise you'll never hear it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Miles is here for. So, Chelsea, yeah. let's talk about a goddamn episode of a movie on television. <laughs> yes. Uh. All Summer in a Day, as we said, 1982, aired on PBS. It was a winner of a Cine Golden Eagle Award, which mm. I googled and does not exist anymore. Okay. And it was also congratulations. <laughs> it was also honored by Instructor Magazine as one of the twenty five best films of the year. So you said you saw this in school, right? Yeah. Jeff mentioned he also saw it in school. Something like that. This was apparently, I mean, it's PBS, but yeah. Instructor Magazine makes me think a lot of teachers oh. were showing this to a lot of kids in a lot of schools. I never saw it before. Congrats! Yesterday, uh, then you must have had a well adjusted childhood. I did. Thanks. Good. That's nice. I'm gonna go <laughs> cry because they didn't have the right eggs at the store. Fun, fun trivia fact. <laughs> I don't know what that was. I was trying to think of like, oh, I'm emotionally damaged, but I wouldn't cry because they didn't have the right eggs at the store. I don't understand how craziness works. (laughs) I'm so deep in it that I I can't describe it. You don't even know, man. I'm not in a cage. You're in a cage. (laughs) The film's costume designer, fun bit of trivia, the film's costume designer was Michael Kaplan, who went on to work on films including Blade Runner, Flashdance, Fight Club, and J.J. Abrams' 2009 Star Trek movie. Yeah, this is no indication of that. Because <laughs> they're like, hey, you got ponchos and sweaters? Well, I can design something. Cool. Get ponchos and sweaters. Uh, as we said, this is based on a 1954 short story by Ray Bradbury. And I'll put the link to the full text of the short story. Originally published in the March issue of The Magazine of Fantasy and Science Fiction. Woo! Which was, I'm sure, super catchy at the time. At the time. Uh, Old TMFSF. It's a, it's a quick read. It's like a six-page short story. Yeah, it's real quick. It's pretty short. Yeah, you were affected by this very much as a child. Like I, uh, watching it again, I was I was in, like tear up or nothing like that. I'm pretty tough now. Mm. But <laughs> so it was all those years in Chicago. <laughs> yeah, we became a jerk. Um, <laughs> no, but still, I'm like watching it again. I'm like beyond like a a, a really interesting science fiction story. Why, Why would you, you show this, this to children? Yeah, it's That's just, my question. It's just heartbreak. Yeah, let's talk about that yeah. at the end. Let's go into the ordinary world in terms of the hero's journey. The ordinary, 
other world. world. Um, so the ordinary world in the hero's journey, if you're just joining us for the first time for some reason, is, uh, <laughs> Welcome. is the world as we have known it, which is now disrupted. So we open on the planet Venus. So in this story... In the adaptation, it's just some other galaxy mm. with us on. Originally, the story was Venus. Right. Because at the time, in 1954, astronomers only knew that Venus was covered in clouds. And Ray uh-huh. Bradbury assumed, well, clouds, probably rain in there all the time. Right. So I looked it up, uh, facts about Venus, and came across this startling description of Venus. And I'm this is a direct quote um, from the internet. Once thought to be our sister planet, Venus is actually a hellhole. <laughs> well, I learned that from this movie. I did too, but I didn't need to. I, I was looking for like a scientific, scientific explanation. Will you send me that link so I can put it? I, cer- I certainly will. You know what, Neptune? Kind of a crap hole. <laughs> Venus. We need a wall because all these immigrants are coming here from shithole planets. Goddamn Neptunians. <laughs> so uh, it, goes on, it goes on to say they're sending the bad Neptunians. That's why we need space walls. Space walls. <laughs> Venus rains sulfuric acid and snows heavy metal. Mm-mm. Yeah, the surface is over 462 degrees Celsius. Easily hot enough to melt lead, and the atmospheric pressure is about 92 times the pressure on Earth at sea level. Cool. So we'd be crushed and burned and And then covered with metal. In the movie, though... It's just some other planet. Well, in the movie, no, they say we're on Venus. Do they? Yeah. One of the kids, that kid Michael, says that Venus and Earth are the only two planets in our solar system that can support life. And we get... I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but we get... Later, we find out that people live on Venus now because Earth got too crowded. That's the origin of people on Venus. I wasn't just eating a cookie, Chelsea. And that's right. It's overcrowding that sent people to Venus. It's been apparently long enough that people have been born on on Venus. Mm -hmm. And I have a lot of questions about how Venus functions as a planet uh, that we will get into. Yeah. In the short story, people live underground. In the movie... All the kids live in like a gulag, basically. (laughs) That is such a nice way to talk about this place. That building is blushing somewhere. Oh, a gulag. Do you really think so? It's a big concrete structure with very small round windows. Have you ever seen a Pink Floyd video? This building was in there somewhere. So it rains all the time. Not molten metal. Sulfuric acid. But it's just raining water. It's just regular rain. It rains and rains and rains. And we find out pretty quickly that the kids are used to it because we see all these kids coming into this big concrete building for school. They're all dressed in rain gear, but they're not rushing or anything like yeah. you would imagine kids would do if it were pouring rain. Yeah. They're playing kick the can in the rain. So sure. we get the idea that this downpour is the constant state of affairs. We don't know the details yet, but we're like, these kids see rain all the time. They're not upset. One thing real quick. We can send someone to Venus. Yeah. But kick the can, still the still best, the we best can do. game. Yeah, no, 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 no. No one's got video games. No one's got cell phones. It's a shitty dystopia right here. <laughs> <laughs> just, oh, we can go to other planets. Bring your can. Yeah, we're, we're kicking a can. There's no Wi Fi on Venus yet. We'll get there. Oh, I gotcha. So the can stops in front of a girl who does not kick it back. She just stands there. She's a loner, obviously. And the other kids go inside, and she, the loner kid, 
kind of lags behind. She's the only one seemingly bothered by the rain. Yeah, she's been she, under an awning while they were playing. and Yeah, she rushes across the courtyard into the building. Okay. Well, taking the time to look up at the sky and say, please stop. To she? the rain. That's her first line. It's the first oh, line of the movie. Jesus. She looks up and goes, please stop I'm to sorry. the sky. God isn't on this planet, girl. No, no, no. <laughs> so here's my first question. We've been talking about the building. There are children. They're about to go into that building. Well, what's in that building? A uh, school. Is it? I think it's the school and where they live. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think it's like a dormitory school. Sure. Storage building. <laughs> <laughs> Put those kids next to the old lamps. <laughs> we'll teach them something if we have a second. I also think because later, they're the only kids we ever see at a moment you would think you would see a lot of other kids. That's true. That these are the only kids on Venus. I guess so. Or like the only late elementary school age kids. Like maybe there's a high school somewhere else, but these yeah. 10 kids are like the kids. I'm going to throw out another thing. Number one, sick use of ponchos in this. <laughs> like, poncho technology. I yeah. do believe that's the best we're ever going to get. Yeah, it's all uniform. They're all wearing the same rain gear. Yeah. I went to visit my sister in Seattle a few years back for a week, and it was Seattle, and it rained and drizzled all the time. Yeah. By day two, I was like, guess that's it. I didn't try to avoid the rain. No. I certainly didn't look up to God in the sky and be like, please stop. You adjusted like a human adjusts. Almost immediately. Yeah. Not this kid. This is the ordinary world. It rains all the time. We're on Venus. The kids never see sunshine and none of them mind except for this one loner girl. Margo. Margo. What a pill. So we go into <laughs> their, their first duty of the day when they get into school slash storage. Mm-hmm. is the tanning wall. Yeah, it's like a sun lamp, vitamin D wall. But it's a whole wall. Yep. So uh, they're standing there talking about the big news for today. Yeah, today is the different day. Today, the scientists have said the rain will stop for uh, some certain amount of time. Yeah. It's like a tanning bed wall. They're all lined up getting their vitamin D on. And... I love this, by the way. I yeah. love this kind of science fiction. It's a great detail. Well, it's nice when, like, clearly this would have blown somebody's mind back in 54, where it's like yeah. an entire wall that mimics the sun. the sun. Gee whiz, could you even imagine? Yeah. <laughs> and some of the kids are scared because they've never, you know, the yeah. sun came out the last time seven years ago. They were all two years old. None right. of them remembers it. And then some of them are scared and some think it's not going to happen. And they're all kind of debating. But this is the call to adventure. This is how we know something something new is happening today. There's going to be change. There's going to be problems, probably. So, One of those problems is a kid named William who's a piece what of shit. What a shithead. What a what horrible a shithead. Piece. He, like, runs all of the bases of being a piece of shit. Oh, my shit. God. To everyone. First base is, <laughs> hey, why are you guys worried about the rain thing? You're all a bunch of wimps. Yeah. He, Basically. He just... There's nothing to worry about, dummies. Yeah, and for some reason, the teacher, who he's awful to, yeah. has left him in charge of the classroom yeah. until she arrives. The worst kid he, to leave in charge of the class. He is so awful. I have written down here in a different movie, let's just say he wouldn't make it into the chocolate factory before meeting <laughs> an ironic death. So William is played by Keith Coogan, who went on to be in a bunch of stuff in the 80s, like Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. Yep. Adventures in Babysitting. Mm-hmm. He's one of the brothers in that. He's also the grandson of legendary character actor Jackie Coogan, who was a child star himself in Charlie Chaplin oh, movies my and God. grew up to play Uncle Fester. Jackie Coogan has the most amazing life story that you will This is his grandkid. Ever hear. Yeah, his grandson. He was in Charlie Chaplin films. 
And then he lost all of his money to his parents, which mm-hmm. was the style of the time. Right. Then his best friend gets murdered by these two guys. And those two guys get arrested. And Jackie Coogan walks to the jailhouse and is joined by a mob who love Jackie Coogan. <laughs> they walk into the jailhouse. The sheriff is like, by all means, and lets <gasps> them take the two guys, which they march to the park and hang to death. The entire crowd, who then goes on to deny that they saw anything because they love Jackie Coogan, then he becomes Uncle Fester in Adam's family. <laughs> it's fucking bananas. <laughs> well, this is his grandkid. Is play is uh, William is played by his grandkid. Yeah, if you've ever seen an eighties movie and it's kind of like a wry smile and I'm definitely up to something, that's it's the kid you're thinking kid. of. Yeah. So he, of course, because he's the lead shithead in class, harasses Margot. Margot, the loner girl, she doesn't want to go under the lamps because she yeah. says, quite reasonably, well, the sun's going to come out today. Then I will just get my vitamin D from the real sun today. And he says, and this is the first time we learned this piece of information, you think you're special because you were born on Earth? And then he calls the teacher to space tattle on her. On a video screen. A screen with a video on it. Can you imagine? I hope they cure polio someday. And she says, the teacher's like, wait, what? Can't wait until I get there. And I'm like, why are they congregating without you? You should be the first person here. Oh, this teacher. I got some some sour (laughs) times for this teacher. Boy. (laughs) Got notes for her I've never taught a thing to anybody ever, nor have I really learned anything. But I have have some ideas. I have a master's degree in education. Yeah. I have notes. I bet they match up pretty well. Lots of them are real basic stuff. Yeah, William rats on Margot to the video screen, and video teacher says, Margot, you got to get into that tanning bed uh, <laughs> wall. Yeah, that's fine. But look, I'm going to point this out right away. Margot, all she's got is, I used to be from Earth, and I saw the sun. Maybe pick up another trait somewhere. Right. Not Something. blaming. I'm not victim Something blaming Well, Margo. she makes a wicked diorama that we'll see later. That's true. But the teacher also says to her, don't get your hopes up. The sun came out around seven years ago, and it, or she says nine in the story. It's seven, yeah. so I keep getting confused. But she said the sun came out around nine years ago, but it was only for an hour. So, like, don't get real invested in this idea of sunshine today. Right. Because it, it also may not happen. That's and, the other thing is that, like, it might not happen at all. And Margot is undeterred. She is hanging all of her hopes on this this idea that the sun is going to come out. She is all in. Even if she has to understand by the tanning wall, that's all great. But, like, please don't take her sunshine away. Uh, isn't that a 90s song? No, that I'll is Steal a... My Sunshine. Oh, I was thinking of the state song of Louisiana, You Are My Sunshine, written by former Governor Jimmy Davis. Please don't take my sunshine away. Yeah. There you go. It's called You Are My Sunshine, but... Well... <laughs> now we're going to cross the first threshold yeah. into the special world. So the special world is today, the sun is going to come out. Yeah. So we're, we go to art class. We're starting the day in art class. First thing we see is the time, which is displayed on... The oldest clock radio yes, I've ever seen. Yes. But also, <laughs> some industrious student has taken a flask and marked it with the, the hours of the day. And there's apparently a leak from the ceiling that's right. filling it it's up. It's like a water gauge. There's no fucking leaks in those ceilings <laughs> on Venus. If it rains every goddamn day. No, I think that I felt like that was on purpose. That was like our classroom water gauge. All right. Well, I, I agree to disagree. Okay. I agree to disagree. I just, look, I, I think. I think we're going to find throughout this episode, I'm trying to be outraged by things. Oh, I've got so much outrage. Because I I want to hide my hurt. Oh, I'm not hurt. I'm just mad. Oh, I'm also outraged. But I think I'm stretching. 
The kids are painting with watercolors, the only colors they know. Um, yeah. <laughs> watercolors. So, Fantastic. Yeah, so they're painting with, they're just painting the gulag. They're just they all are. painting, all, all painting pictures of this concrete building. I'll paint rain today. <laughs> Margot, however, has painted a sunscape with flowers and green grass and the, the teacher. Sky. Yeah, and the teacher makes all the kids look at it. They, she makes them all stop what they're doing and look at Margot's painting of the sunlight. And here's here's my big theory about this movie. Oh, I'm so glad we have one. Uh, yeah. This, <laughs> this is all depicting what I like to think of as a bizarro emo world mm. where everyone is listening to Joy Division and pa- painting dreary shit, being awful, and the only way to rebel is to talk about the sun and paint blue skies and such. So Margot is an emo girl on Venus. Oh, I see. The yeah. reverse. I see. Yeah. William mm-hmm. wants to show his gulag picture, which is just a fucking, it's two blocks in a circle. <laughs> yes. and he's like, this is the best thing I've ever done. <laughs> Wait till everybody is made to look at this. Yeah. And he rushes up to the teacher who's already looking at Margot's painting. Mm-hmm. And like a fucking creep, William looks on angrily and then crumples up his own painting behind yeah, his back. Because he's so mad that Margot's painting got attention. All like right. there's no, like if her painting gets praised, there's no place for his. And so he just crumples it up behind his back. Hey, guess what, William? No great loss. <laughs> <laughs> Next, we go to science class, where a little mansplainer named Michael uh, goes all well, actually, on his classmate Paula about uh, the temperature of the fucking sun. I've called him the co-piece of shit, Michael. <laughs> so, so Paula's like, the sun is, I don't remember, 200 million degrees. And Michael's like, well, actually, the sun yeah. is 200 million, 1,300 degrees. Like, it's such a thing. tiny little, inf- like, it's a tiny little point. Yeah. She makes the point as we, as we all need to hear it, and he corrects her for the sake of correcting her. And then the fucking teacher goes, well, Paula, what would we do without Michael? Yeah, even the teachers, teachers <laughs> sick of his shit. Why is why is Michael not the bullied character in this? I'm not advocating. No, bully. no, no. I totally get what you're if saying. Bullying has to exist. At least aim it correctly. Right, and later, William the shithead calls Margot a know-it-all when he's bullying her. It's like Michael. Michael is right there. <laughs> Michael turns slightly. Yeah. Michael is a know-it-all. Know-it-all. But no, Margot's a know-it-some. She knows about <laughs> the knows sun. About nothing. Yeah, she knows the sun. She's from Earth. She barely remembers it. She's got two things. The sun, the flowers. I remember these things. And a terrible haircut. Also, I know what butterflies are. The worst haircut. It's not great. Maybe that (laughs) was the style on Earth. And she's like, like, I gotta keep this going. It's like if you're a girl with an eye-grazing bowl cut, but then also a ponytail that comes out from underneath the bowl cut. Like a mushroom with a ponytail. It's real bad. Yeah. Uh, You ever seen kids that are definitely the the offspring of two ugly people? (laughs) So then the teacher's class, like, what would we do without Michael? And the teacher and Paula kind of exchange this look like, oh, he's, you know, he's a lot to take. He does not pick up on this. No. This is how mansplainers go on. Yeah. To thanks. grow up thinking everyone wants to hear their fucking opinion. It's the future. We're on a different fucking planet. We're not off to a good no, start. Not at all. So this is kind of a science class is what I've written down yes. here. Mostly what it is is. It's like a Montessori science class. At best. <laughs> Uh, Montebori. Oh. <laughs> I've, I've called it a science-ish class. It's pretty much, hey kids, say something that you know about the sun. And the only rule is you have to contribute something that no one has said already. Yeah, it could be 
fucking anything, anything. by the so way. So they're talking about the sun, talking about facts about the sun. William says something that someone already said. He's staring vengefully at Margot this He's whole time. He's totally not distracted attention. by just plotting her demise. And the teacher's up. like, oh, William, you know you're supposed to say something original yeah. and he goes i'm not done talking yet that's not even that is not as as dramatic as it is i love this part i watched it five times <laughs> he starts saying the thing that that paulette just, just said, said and she's like never mind margo and william says hey i'm not done <laughs> which it's, is the point at which you get sent to the space principal's office if there was a space principal come she's on she's maybe She's the space teacher, the space principal, the space lunch lady, the space janitor. She's the space everything. goddess, the space whore. <laughs> you, get, you, you might as well be like, yeah, you're going to listen to this thing I know. See, then I'm going to say another fact. Yeah, and you're going to like it. <laughs> it's way too much. And then Margot pipes up with a poem she has written about the sun, which I'm kind of like, oh, we're just saying anything. It's just anything. At this point. You remember in science class where you're like, uh, I believe Emerson once said. Yeah. You remember in science class where you were like, roses are red. Yeah. And the teacher was like, that's beautiful. Did you write that yourself? But she's written a poem about the, about the sun and the uh. teacher loves it. And the fact that the teacher loves it makes William even further enraged. Then we go to the next class period, which is free time, I guess. <laughs> I hope this isn't the assignment, but all the kids are just staring outside of the rain. They're all climbed up very rickety looking rope ladders yep. to stare out these small circular windows. Kind of thing you see at like a carnival where you're not supposed to get across it. But we finally get the idea that Margot might have one sympathetic classmate this girl, Paula, yes. who's climbed up looking out the window. And then Paula looks at Margot and says, hey, Margot, do you want to come up and see? And it's the first time anyone has said anything kind to Margot yeah, at all. Margot seems incredibly appreciative. Yeah, so Margot climbs up. I get to look up. at the rain now. Exactly. But of course, William sees that someone's been nice to Margot and he's such a little shit that he can't not insult her. Yeah, so he's now on second shithead base where he's like, probably not going to stop raining at all, dummy. And she says, why do you hate me? And he says, you're such a know-it-all. You've never seen this son you've never seen it <laughs> this is just after this is 100 just after william says it's actually raining harder and michael goes no he's right it's actually raining 1.5 times harder than yeah. it was this morning and then right he has there. the audacity <laughs> to be like you're a know-it-all margo okay so now it's time for sun preparedness class <sighs> everyone's got a sun kit that's in like a to-go box from a chinese restaurant <laughs> painted blue though painted the future blue. and <laughs> They get a little. They get little green visors little, that make timey, them look like card sharps. Yeah, <laughs> they get little old timey accountant visors, <laughs> and they get to put on sunscreen. Mm -hmm. But William, being William, disrupts class, calls bullshit on the sun kit, says we're not going to need any of this. I'm afraid junk. we won't be using these today. Yeah, I don't. Before you don't see, need any of this it's junk. not going to stop raining. And I'm just like, can we kill him? Can we send him to the school jail? Is there anyone that could take this kid out of class? He'd be transferred to another gulag. Yeah. <laughs> the teacher can't get anything done with him. He's constantly interrupting class. Yeah, take to control, be a shithead. Teacher. Yes, and so here's here's one. Margot one... gets upset. Yeah, by Margo this, gets like, upset. The sun's not coming out today. Margot gets upset, and she angrily rubs sunblock all over her yes. face, which is not the <laughs> toughest move possible. <laughs> so then we go into the next period, which is I don't know more free time. <laughs> How does this school work? 
maybe the teacher's having trouble controlling the kids because her schedule is just one big question mark. Yeah, which she admits because it's 12.15, which is the time the scientists said the sun was supposed to come out. And everyone's just standing around and the kids are like, well, the rain is still coming down. What are we going to do? And the teacher straight up admits she has no backup says, lesson plan. I don't know. She's like, I didn't plan I anything. I planned any other activities. <laughs> it's like, well, but... What? You knew this was a possibility. Let's see. Uh, we could sit around and say things about the sun? No, we already did that. <laughs> um, I guess we could make pictures of the... No, we already uh, did can that. Can you look at the rain for... You look at the rain right now! <laughs> Give me back the sun kits. I'll pass them out again. <laughs> and then shithead William grins at Margot like he's the one causing the rain to keep yeah. raining. He looks at her and like like he's taking credit for the fact that yeah. the sun is not coming out and I just never have wanted to punch a nine-year-old he's rounding, more than I want to punch him right now. He is rounding third on the, <laughs> the shithead home run that he's hit. So Margot can't deal with it. She runs out of the room to like a little alcove or something like that. It's like a great, there's like a grate in the wall. Like yeah. it, it was like an, it's like an air duct or something sure. that she can take the grate off of and it's a little box into the wall but there's nothing it doesn't lead anywhere it's just like it's it's, just like a little depression in the wall it's where they used to build dioramas back in the day so she's built a diorama of a place called willard ohio which is where she used to live when she was a kid on earth it only it only makes me think of like dernsville indiana and kimmy schmidt i'm just like this is a terrible place yeah Except well, for the fact that the sun is there, this is a terrible place. Well, I like to think that she's just misremembered what things were. Of course. But maybe, like, the reason that people aren't on Earth anymore is because it's all fucked up like it is in yeah. this. Like, the sun is, you know, the sun's fine, everything like that. She's got a little paper depiction of herself. Then it's an apartment building with a cow in front of it, <laughs> and then a bush with an actual size butterfly, which is then twice the size of the cow. So this might be like a dystopian kind of Earth where it's like, things are bad, but just more like creepy bad. Insects kind of out of control. Yeah, so she's got some dried flowers, some dead dried flowers, yeah. and she's got a dead dried butterfly fly and she's looking at them all longingly and then paula the girl who was nice to her before comes looking for her looks at her diorama paula's like i'm sorry the sun didn't come out and margot says i wish you could have seen it yeah and margot she's like what's the sun like yeah to uh, to margot paula says that and margot says her description is like pretty much hey you know what this the sun is pretty much mdma (laughs) yeah She's like, like, you're going to want to run, you're going to want to spin, you're going to want to do everything. (laughs) There's music from the birds and the crickets, and you want to spin until you get dizzy, and you just feel happy inside, and you got to run. But this made me also wonder, is this something about something more than the sun? Like, did she have parents on Earth, and she's an orphan now? That's nice. That's nice to think of. Is is she so obsessed with the sun because the sun represents something more to her? Sure. Because this is so unhinged. Kids are flexible yeah kids adapt well especially when you are two years old and you don't know any better then you're just recollecting right so it must be something that she's imbued right the sun with also let's 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 mention these parents so we've got a school storage gulag (laughs) where kids are learning to just answer a question with whatever they feel like as long (laughs) as something that's been mentioned before lots of free time staring at the rain Uh, they need an hour to go over the three pieces of their sun kit. Like, what are the jobs on Venus that need to be filled? Is it just people sitting in factories going, duh? I don't know. Rain. I don't know what they make. Maybe it's just rain collection. They collect rain and they export it to Earth, which is now a desert wasteland. (laughs) That's what it is. So all you need to actually learn is how to hold a bucket. Yeah, it's like (laughs) mining country 100 years ago. Yeah, hold the bucket. 
before the bucket yeah, and the thing. But luckily for us, something is happening, which Uh-oh. is that the rain is slowing down. Margot and Paula hear that the rain is slowing down outside. Yep. And they start running back to the classroom, and we are now approaching the inmost cave in terms of the hero's journey, seeking the heart of all wonder and terror. So we Absolutely. are approaching where the beast lives. The beast that made little Andy cry. Yeah, she tells them, and I guess they're in a different part of the gulag where they mm-hmm. can't necessarily hear it because they nobody even looks up. They're like, oh, Margo, you piece of shit. <laughs> You're such a know-it-all. Right, William? Actually, she's 1% more of a know-it-all than I am. Space gulag. <laughs> Is that, is that the theme song the theme for your song. no show? Space yeah, this gulag. is when they get to high school. It's like a Saved by the Bell oh. space gulag. Wake up in the morning, I look outside, and it's still pouring. <laughs> I won't see the sun for another five years. That's it. That's it. You yeah, heard it. I got it. Puddle side. Puddle side high. So she's like, no, but seriously, that's happening. And she runs to get her son kit. And William's like, oh, I bet I can get to third base of shit headery. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Before this happens, yeah. the teacher's gone. They oh, come back to the classroom. Yeah. <laughs> they come back to the classroom and the teacher is gone. And the kids are like, yeah, the teacher went to look for you. And I'm like, no. This is basic teacher arithmetic. Yeah. If you have 15 kids in a class mm-hmm. and two of them have gone missing, you don't leave the other 13 alone in a room. You send one of them that you trust to go find the other two. I've got an idea. You, the teacher, don't leave the other shithead kids alone in a classroom. I have an idea. Yeah, what's that? I think I can I can explain all of this. Uh-oh. This exodus to Earth has been going on for, let's say, 100 years. Exodus from Earth. From Earth to Venus. Yeah, yeah. Like they've, they've colonized Venus. Obviously, they're sending kids there. Kids are being born they've there. They've had time to build a gulag. It's been a while. Here's what I think. Yeah. I think the teacher was born and educated on Venus. <laughs> <laughs> and as such, only knows this how to mention things. This is a Venus things, education. Look at the sun. Yes. Paint shitty paintings. Yeah, this is a Venus public school education. Oh, this this theory is absolute. I'm I'm <laughs> on to something here. Okay, so yeah, she's like, there are two students missing. All students, look at yourselves. I'll go look for students. Exactly. Exactly. So Paul is like, oh, let me go find the teacher. And I write, Paula goes to retrieve the teacher. She's maybe not a great teacher. That's <laughs> <laughs> the student is going to find the teacher. So Margot is left alone in a room of kids who actively despise her, yeah. who are all under the thrall of shithead William. Absolutely. And she is talking about how the sun's totally going to come out. And they're all like, that's not. So she goes to get her sun kit. And of course, William grabs it. And runs out of the room. And they all start playing keep away from her. Yeah, he runs down a hall. She's chasing him. And then he throws it into a big storage room where the kids aren't currently being stored exactly and he shuts the door behind her and locks her inside and then one of the kids who is not paula i thought it was paula at first no another girl some kid goes hey that's mean and uh uh, william william says no it's not it's a joke it's a joke yeah and he's like right michael and future supreme court justice michael says yeah it's just (laughs) just us having a lot of fun it's funny because i wrote later that that uh william grew up to be Fred Kavanaugh. You know but, what? Yeah. yeah. I, I, I vacillated between we'll Supreme get. Court Justice Michael and Lindsey Graham Stanton Michael. Yes. Because he's enabling. Yep. He's the, a Lindsey Graham. Guys, write your joke now. <laughs> <laughs> that was very funny. Good job. Yeah. One other kid like weekly protests, but then they hear this, the rain stop yeah. and they all go into some sort of fugue state where they can't believe they're not hearing rain and they all go outside very slowly holding hands and totally forget about Margot. Not even just forget. She's banging on the door and screaming. And screaming. And they're just like, what? Like in a trance, they walk outside. Yeah. I think that you got like a second to be 
like, what's... Oh, okay, well, I'll just open the door real quick. They yeah. zombie walk out of this <laughs> joint. Know? And they're all holding hands and sort of staring around and staring at the sky like, what's going on? Yeah, this rain has stopped and they're all like looking around like it's the end of the world. It's made me think, even though the teacher had half a day to prepare them, she didn't do enough no. because they are not prepared <laughs> she for this. I don't know, described what the sun's going to be like. <laughs> no. They run outside, they're looking around, the sun comes out. And no one has their goddamn sun kit. Not a single person is wearing their green visor. This is the supreme ordeal. This is the climax of this thing. It feels like a supreme ordeal. Um, Margo is alone. She's supposed to maybe be the hero, but she's not doing anything. The only person actively doing anything is William. Yeah. And this is the hero's journey is just like not even applicable here. It's Noth- not, I mean, it's there's not just I've been trying because I always try, but there's just nothing happening. I guess you could say that William's the hero and that he's going to learn something. He's not going to learn anything, and Meh. we're going to get there. Mm-mm. Okay. We're going to get there. So the Venus-born are bewildered. The Venusians. By the sun. The Venusians. They're sort of energized by it, which we can tell because they are inspired to run a lot. Yep. They run and, upstairs. Yeah. They run out in they fields. They run across things. No one wearing a spun, uh, special green visor. Probably no one wearing sunscreen. Those kits were totally useless. Yeah, what the fuck? I was what like, why didn't get these sunglasses? Sunglasses. Yeah, the first thing the kids do is like, so oh, like, my ah, eyes are burning. They're all blind. And I was like, oh, yeah, sunglasses could yeah, have been in those kits. Also, the ecology of this planet makes no fucking oh, sense. Oh, yeah. This should not be. Paula has never seen a flower before, to the point where she sees a dead, dried flower in this diorama, and mm. she's like, what's that? And Margot says, oh, it's a flower. Well, it used to be a flower. The kids get to the top of this hill. There is a fully mature field of flowers and grass that has sprung up in the last 15 seconds. We're to believe, yeah, that these flowers have just bloomed. <laughs> yeah, they They're have... like, finally, my eight years of just <laughs> holding on for a second. <laughs> This flower, this this field is drenched in water all of the year, every hour of the day. But suddenly, everything is dry. There are butterflies. There are birds. There are fully mature flowers. There is grass. Mm -hmm. I feel like grass is pretty resilient. Yep. But grass, man, anything's alive here. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, Yeah. butterflies. What are they doing? Like living the the shittiest. Yeah. What are they? It's like a shitty cycle of like living and dying very quickly. But then it's like one butterfly gets to have a good time one day. (laughs) One day. Yeah, it makes no sense. Um, Margo is locked in this storage room. Yep. There's a very small circular window very far up at the top of the wall, and a tiny beam of sunlight creeps into the storage room, and she holds in her hand and smiles yeah. weakly. It's it's the it's the amount of sunlight that's coming around the door. Yeah. That's She's it. She's just like very very sad. We should also mention in the book, Margo's described as like Thin sickly. and gaunt and sickly and boy, oh boy, bingo with this actor. Yeah, very good casting. Yeah, in the story they say like her parents might be taking her back to Earth. Oh. There's a rumor that she's so sick and she's wasting away on Venus that her parents might be be taking her back to Earth, hmm. which is another reason the other kids hate her. Um, uh, she has to go back. Yeah, but that's not ever mentioned in this movie. Nope, it's just pure tragedy. That's yeah. all we got time for. The sun lasts for like two minutes. In that time, the teacher... goes as bonkers as the kids. There is no semblance of her being in charge. Doesn't make any sense. She was alive when the last time the sun came out. a few times. She talked about it. Yeah. She remembers it. She goes bonker balls. She just loses it. Four times in her life now (laughs) that she has seen this sun 
And and she, she first of all, when she sees it happening, forgets to look at how many kids are there. <laughs> oh yeah. Forgets to be like, I'm sure that's doesn't probably... do a head count. And they're not a hundred. There are fifteen. Fifteen. You can you can just be like, easily, wait one second. Easily counted. Okay, great. Yeah. Go enjoy your sun time. And then when we see this playing montage, we do see the teacher for one moment. She kicks off one of her shoes. Yep. <laughs> and then drops to her knees and sort of does like a child's pose. Yep. In the grass. Yep. I would also like to mention that <laughs> in the montage of kids playing, they're doing normal stuff like tag and running and picking flowers. Unless you're Michael. Flowers. And Michael is standing <laughs> with a ruler trying to like measure the sun. Michael. Oh, God. Jobs are they supposed to get someday? Like, what are they, what are they trying to, what are they preparing these kids There's to do? There's probably at least one doctor in this space mining oh. community. Maybe Michael's training to be the doctor. Jesus Christ. I feel like this is idiocracy <laughs> happening here. All right, so. The sun yeah. lasts for like two minutes. In the it's story, really it's out for an hour. In yeah. the movie, it's out for about two minutes. Yep. And then it starts to be covered up by clouds. And then the rain starts back up. And it's like these kids have never seen rain before. They're swatting it away. <laughs> They're covering their heads like. Like, ah, no, what is it? They're like wiping no. it away frantically. Get off of me! <laughs> You're not welcome here anymore! <laughs> These kids have never not known rain, and suddenly they're totally, again, bewildered. And then they all have a simultaneous instinct to get as many fucking flowers <laughs> as possible. Just armfuls. Just, just they're armfuls ripping them away from the safety of their flower bosoms. And then the flowers are like, that's fine. We were about to die anyway. Yeah, it's like, cool. It's, you know, maybe put us in some water. Put us near that sun wall. Yep. Paula realizes in this moment, at the end of all of this sun fun having time, yep. that Margo is not there. Where's she Mar goes, where's Margo? And some little girl points at William and says, ask him. And William gives that little girl the stink eye and how. Yeah. And he starts screaming, it was a joke. It was a, It was just a joke, which is the world's most fucked up way to say, I'm sorry I did a bad thing, but it's your fault for not laughing. It's not my fault for doing it. Yeah. What a fucking horrible kid. Luckily, this is science fiction and nothing like nothing. that would ever happen yep. or get somebody yep. into a high government position. Mm -mm. So they all realize this. They steal as many flowers from Venus's ground as they can. And then they go back to the gulag, yep. and William goes and opens the closet door. I feel yeah. like everybody should be there. Like, like the teacher. The teacher? Paula? Anyone else? I feel like we don't see the teacher anymore. She's probably still no, up on the hill. No, she's at the back of the... She's just standing there like a student at the back of the students. So this is the reward and consequences part of the journey, mm. where supposedly the hero has won or changed or learned or done something for the community. If Michael is the hero then he should have learned something, right? So let's hope for that. Let's just go ahead and hope. Sure. We aren't, we aren't getting that right away right. at the very so least. He goes to let Margot out of the bunker. He has a bouquet of flowers. He doesn't offer them to her. He's just holding flowers. She silently walks out and he says something like, we saw the sun. We went out in the sun. Not, I'm sorry. Margot says, Margot says, you saw the sun. That's the only, that's the only words exchanged for the rest of this episode. Yes. William does offer his flowers to her. Oh, he does. And she that. just completely ignores him. And he does so not say... So who's the real villain here? Well, this is the, the thing. Teacher, the teacher. The, the teacher. The teacher. So this is the thing. He doesn't ever... He never says, I'm sorry. No. He doesn't face any consequences. The teacher's not like, space detention for you for two space months. Space detention. Nothing. You can only paint with green crayons. No more watercolors what, for you. What, green? <laughs> the color we do not speak of? 
so she walks out of the storage closet and all the other kids are there with their big bouquets and the teacher is standing at the back of just them. Like, just like, whatever. She walks through all the kids. The teacher's thinking, I hope this covers the rest of the school time because <laughs> right. I don't have anything planned. The standoff. She walks through the kids and out into the rain. She doesn't say anything. And I wrote, and now she kills him? Goes out and drowns in the rain? What am I supposed to learn from this? Yeah, so now we're in Act 3, the return to the ordinary world where things are supposed to be better or at least stable again. So it's raining again. It's back to the status quo. Looks just like the beginning of the movie. She walks out into the rain without her space raincoat. Yeah, now she's all mopey and emo. Yeah. They've done it. They've turned her into one of them. She's ugly crying in the rain the way I imagine she did the day she first got that haircut. Here's the problem with this moment betwixt you and I on this podcast. This is where I broke down crying. Mm-mm. But like when I was a kid, like her looking up in the rain and sobbing, I was just like my heart ripped in twain. I can see that. It, this probably would have affected me the same way as a kid. But as an adult, no, no, I am too many just problems, angry. Yeah, it's fine. We've and lost I, our I'm sense of wonder going and to innocence. Get, I have not lost my sense of wonder, but I have. I can see a bigger picture now. It's like someone once described to me being woke is like, before you're woke, mm-hmm. it's like being a kid riding in the back of the car when your parents are driving and you just assume it's all going to be fine. Yeah. Everything's fine. Everyone else on the road is fine. And then when you start driving, you realize how dangerous driving in is and that everyone else on the road is a fucking terrible human being. Yeah. And so, and you can never go back to just sleeping in the back of the car and thinking like, oh, everything's fine. I'm safe. No, nothing can go wrong. So we've taken a different approach to our disappointment. I've been scattering small bombs throughout and mm-hmm. I feel like yours is, is yet to come. It's looming. All right. So- We'll just put this out there for the sake of myself and listener Jeff, that this was a very heartbreaking moment for us mm-hmm. when we were young. A lot of other people identified this. I it can is see it. just upsetting because to a young child's mind, we've learned nothing. No. Like, what, what are we supposed to learn from this? Not to lock a kid in the closet? Yeah. Got it. Nope. How about not lock a kid in the closet on the most important day of their life? Yeah. Sure. Otherwise, it's just, hey, kid, shitty things happen sometimes. Yeah, it's it's either anti-bullying, which it could be done better. Sure. Someone could face some consequences, maybe. Mm-hmm. Or it's don't get real attached to anything. What don't get of, your hopes up real high. What kind of lesson is that? No, it's fucking horrible. Right. And I think it's because it's not supposed to be for kids. I don't think the so The Ray Bradbury either. short story is not, Bradbury. not written for kids. No. It just features kids. The next thing that that happens is the other kids come out and watch her cry yep. in the rain. They all remember holding enormous armfuls of flowers. Mm-hmm. And then led by Paula, they all walk out into the rain and give their flowers to her, except fucking William, who is just standing under the awning, refusing to come out and give his flowers to her. So all the other kids go inside. This is all happening, as you said, no speaking. Mm-hmm. And fucking William is doing this thing with his face that I think we are supposed to interpret as like he is guilt stricken. Sure. He is so upset about this thing that he did and and the hurt that he caused her. And what happens is she realizes as she's about to walk in that he's over there upset and she goes to fucking comfort him because his grief is the most important thing that is happening know, right I know, now. I know, understand. He did life. not even apologize, and somehow this has become about him and the dark place he is in. That is where this whole thing turns into fucking Brett Kavanaugh land. Absolutely, because where he the, gets to ugly cry, and yeah, it's about him now. The final image is of the person who has suffered the most in this episode, Margot, 
putting her arm around William to lead him back into to class. To comfort him. You are 100% correct. Yes, he needs And now comfort. I hate everything. Yes, he he is the one that needs to be comforted at the end of all this when he never apologizes and he's facing no consequences. Yeah, absolutely. It just enraged Where me. He got to bully and enjoy the out of doors and isn't facing any consequences and almost got to keep his flowers too. <laughs> right. And then, but he's feeling a little bit bad at the end of the day. So Margot, it's on her. Yeah. You gotta to put go aside your grief, girl, because mm-hmm. this man feels upset. Yep. I get it now. Yep. No, no, no. It's fine. So I've been clouded with my my own childish despair. Um, <laughs> as an audience member, I hate being taken to a dark place and left there. Yeah. What is the point? I don't need a happy ending for everything I ever watch, but I need a reason. To have watched it. Absolutely. As a bare minimum. Uh, is this about bullying? Is it about not wanting things too much? Is it about piping down in class if some little shit doesn't lock you in a closet? Mm-hmm. And then he needs comfort, so fuck you at the end of it all? Like, I don't know what it's supposed to be about. I will say that the original short story, two things. There is no Paula. Margot has no friends. Right. And it ends when they open the door to let her out. There are no Ugh. flowers. There are no apologies. There's no comfort. Yeah. The last line is that they open the closet and let Margot out. There is a William. There's just no Paula. That's how the story goes, which is why it's not a story for kids, I think. It's it's, It's a story for adults that features child's characters. And no one should have made this into a movie and shown it to a bunch of fucking kids. Let alone, like, made available to all teachers to definitely, let's show kids this as many times as possible. With a lot of Ray Bradbury's other things, with Fahrenheit 451. Yeah. You can look at that and be like, okay, kids could learn something from this. So, uh, there's there's a lesson here. Yeah. And a lot of science fiction is meant in that way to show us like the possible future if we continue down yeah. one specific road, which is why all a lot of science fiction is like, man, things are really fucked up because, I don't know, we gave over control to totalitarian uh, leadership yeah. in 1984 or, or whatever else. It's also fine if it's an allegory for our times, sure. right? It takes place on a distant planet, but it responds to things that are happening right now on our planet. This became a real allegory for me in a way that was not, oh, not in 1982. I'm sure they did not mean. Certainly not in 1954 when, when Ray Bradbury wrote this. Right. But I was like, that little fucking shithead grows up to be Brett Kavanaugh. Yeah. And, you know, like, and then Michael grows up to be Lindsey Graham. <laughs> that's exactly, yeah, that's, that's what exactly what happened. I got so mad at the end of this. Because he his comfort was given the priority. It's very true. And we're supposed to extrapolate some sort of like, Margot's going to be okay because look at her. She's able to go back to her normal life, which Mm-mm. is comforting a boy. I mean, now that you're mentioning it, yeah, it's it's very clear. I, I was kill certainly caught up in my despair nostalgia. Yeah, you were th- you were thinking of it at least half as young Andy. Yeah. I'd never saw this before, so I was just watching it as a woman in her 30s. That's a solid point, though. Being angry. So it seems like you did pull something out of it. It seems like it did have a purpose instead so it affected you so much. I can't imagine that something that didn't have a purpose, you wouldn't have been able to correlate these things, even though you're an adult now, uh, the way that you have. In so much, I also think that there might be a pretty close tie between just from a child's point of view, between bullying and rain and bullying and the lack of sunshine and bullying and the lack of uh, hope and bullying and the lack of friendship. So I don't know if that, I feel like in this episode, maybe we're looking a little too closely at why when the broader implications are a little bit more simple. Maybe, but I just don't think there's a cause and effect. Like if William bullied, 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 and then he got locked in the closet and had to miss the sun because of the that's the consequences of bullying, that's a clear cause and effect. Right. In this episode, the kid that does the bullying gets fucking everything. 
no consequences. Yeah. And it's, there's not enough, the, the point that Chelsea's making isn't underlined enough for us to be like, whoa, hold on a second there. Like, it happens, but it is not like, you know, that's not the enough of a focus of this. If Margot had been, like, comforting William throughout, or if people had been, like, placating William and being like, boys will be boys, or whatever, absolutely. It just, that's, I think, the tragedy of this, is there is a point to be made, but unfortunately the original material doesn't know it enough to make it something that can be used right. as a, a, an example. Yeah, I just think the problem here is they made this mistake of thinking that a story about kids was for kids, which yeah. is a problem. This is a thing that I just actually just kind of came up against this, this book that I want to adopt. I was pitching it to a producer and it's got the protagonist is 10, year old, 10 years old, but it's a story for adults. Yeah. And they were like, is this for kids? And I was like, no, not everything with kids in it is for kids. It's a very dark, very adult story. a lot of trouble with story. that. It works both ways. One of the reasons that fantasy took such a hard turn. Movies, fantasy took a hard turn in like the late 90s, early aughts, is because people somehow got the impression, and I'm pointing directly to the prequels of Star Wars, that kids want to see an adventure with kids. Mm -hmm. They don't. Like mm -hmm. when, when I was a kid, I didn't play like, oh, who was the kid in Star Wars? It was like Luke, Han, right. whoever. Yeah. It just doesn't work. Like there's no direct correlation right. there that needs to be, you know... Uh, extrapolated or whatever. Yep. This made me angry. I'm sorry they made you watch it in school as a kid. I'm sorry for many reasons, especially this. God, it's just the implications here are just when PBS was making this, I'm assuming they were like, wow, what a bummer ending. Well, we've got to end this on a, a positive note. How do we do that? And the common sense of the time told them just have Margot accept his apology and comfort him because he feels bad. Yeah, all misogyny in a day. Let's just do this. <laughs> there it is. All you know? misogyny in a day. <laughs> just wrap this up. Jesus Christ, Chelsea. <laughs> let's let's figure this out. I feel like we just discussed a lot of what we learned here. Yeah, I feel like I just want to hug Margot. Like that's yeah, easy. I want to hug Margot. Want to hug Margot. And I think uh, overall, in in what I've learned from this episode is, and and what a delightful way to start season two mm -hmm. from this point on, not that I haven't been doing this previously, it's part of our podcast, but let's try to look deeper into like the effects of those special episodes, you know, what they're omitting is also just as important. Mm -hmm. I know that's something we definitely look at, but you know, it's an important thing to, to watch in all of our media, especially stuff that we're giving to kids Yeah, for fuck's sake. Yeah. I learned... Well, first of all, I read this Ray Bradbury short story, which I hadn't read before, mm -hmm. and I like him. I think he's a great writer. So yeah, that absolutely. Was, that was good for me to like read that story. Nobody blames Ray Bradbury for no, this. No, not blaming him at all. Uh, he was not involved in this movie at right. all, I'm sure, and also didn't write this for kids. Yeah. And also the misogynistic ending, not part of the real, not, not part of the no. short story. So I read a great short story, which was awesome. I liked that. And I also learned a lot about, now just in this episode, Jackie Coogan. Yeah. Um, so. Jackie Coogan, y'all look him up. That's only like 1% of his life. Right. So I'm I'm great. I'm actually, I feel like I've learned quite a bit. Yeah. Despite, that's good. Despite the uh, failings of this particular episode. No, or, I've learned that Jackie Coogan has a grandkid yeah who will never live up to Jack. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's why he's such a bully even if he becomes the supreme court judge judge william coogan kavanaugh <laughs> kuganaw <laughs> william kuganaw judge kuganaw i like bullying boys <laughs> like bullying girls like bullying me my friend michael Squee. michael paula <laughs> michael know-it-all squee <laughs> We like bullying. <laughs> like bullying. 
I get all this court, I'm gonna bully you guys so bad. <laughs> Fuck you, Brett Kavanaugh. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you very much for listening. <laughs> Welcome to season two, y'all. It's Woo! only gonna get more intense from here. And that's a promise. <laughs> we will see you again soon. Bring snacks. Bye. Thank you for listening to Hugging and Learning. If you want to visit us online, our website is huggingandlearning.com, where you can find links to all the articles we talked about today, as well as our post office box where you can mail us snacks. Subscribe to our podcast, rate and review, and tell your friends about us. If you want to drop us a line, you can email us at huggingandlearningpodcast at gmail.com. You can tell us about the experiences you've had with things we talked about. Or you can send us suggestions on which episodes we should do next. Our podcast is produced by Miles Pulaski, who also wrote our theme music. I'm Andrew. And I'm Chelsea. See you next time. Bring snacks!